Amen. So you guys have picked an awesome day to be in God's house. I'm excited. We're going to be on part six already, which is kind of crazy to think about. We've been on the same sermon series for six weeks, but I'm excited to go even farther and even deeper and open up God's word as we learn and talk and talk about and unpackage the truth from scripture of what it says about the Holy Spirit. Who's been, who's been coming? Who remembers the title of our message? Ah, I'm a little deaf today. What is it? There you go. Y'all sound good. The title of the message has been Good Morning, Holy Spirit. I hope and pray you guys have been using that little phrase in your daily Christian life. Anybody? Look at all those hands. God bless you. I promise you, if, if you start your day with that, with that little phrase, that little statement, it just sets your day. What are you doing? You're inviting the presence and the fullness of God in your life. You're saying, God, I want to meet with you and whatever you got for me today, God, bring it on. When's the last time you started your day with, bring it on? Come on, God. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I like to, to tweak it and make it a little more personal. I just say, what up? What, what up, Holy Spirit? What are we doing today? Where are we going today? How, how can you use me today? And so you can personalize that for yourself, too. If you like to say, uh, like, howdy. I know we live in Holly Pond. Where's Corey at? Corey Lehman, is he out? He actually made up some shirts that says, Howdy, Holy Spirit. I said, come on, brother. I like it. I like it. He's taking the word and running with it. And so howdy's his word, I guess. So whatever your word is. Regardless, I digress. It's been a powerful message as we've been unpackaging who the Holy Spirit really, somebody said really, really is. Because the Holy Spirit comes a lot of controversy. If you've been in the church or you've bounced around different churches or you live in the world, you hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, there can sometimes be a negative connotation, which breaks my heart because the Holy Spirit is holy. He loves you. He's for you. He ain't weird. You hear people, I'll talk to people, you, you, you know, tell them, yeah, we're part of Liberty Church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We're a Spirit-filled church. And they kind of give you that look, you know, like, Y'all deal with snakes? No, we don't deal with snakes. We believe in the fullness of Scripture. We believe the fullness of God. And Jesus said, as we've seen in the Gospel of John, as we, as we kicked this off a few weeks ago, Jesus told us how important it is. Jesus said, it's, in, it's imperative that I go, right, to the cross. Because if I don't go, he says, then I can't send the helper who is the Holy Spirit to help you. We have not said the Holy Spirit is more important than God the Father. We have not said that the Holy Spirit is more important than Jesus. We need the Father. We need the Son. And guess who else you need? Holy Spirit. And if the world can continue to deceive and get churches to fuss and argue about truth, then guess what? The enemy loves that because he is keeping people that don't know the truth of Scripture, who the Holy Spirit is, from entering into a full dynamic, life-giving relationship with God the Father through the Holy Spirit because Jesus sent him to be our helper. I said the Holy Spirit is one of the most important tools that you can put in your tool bag in your Christian life. We said the whole thrust behind this message is for it to launch us into that transformational daily relationship with God through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Sound good? So I'm excited to pick up there today, and we're going to continue to use that same couple verses out of the Gospel of John. So if you got your Bibles, turn to John, please. Turn to chapter 14. I want to give you a few verses, 16 through 18. So this has kind of been the, the foundation zone, so to speak, of this message as we've been, been diving in. So look what it says there, and this, this is Jesus, right, talking to us. He says, and I give, and I, excuse me. And I will pray the Father and pray to the Father, and He will give you another what? Helper. So we've been dissecting that little word helper over the past few weeks. And so it says, and that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it because it neither sees him or knows him, but you do know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, I will come. To you, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. I've said that every single person on the planet, whether they want to admit it or not, needs help. So we've kind of unpackaged that little word help, helper. We've explained what it means. One, one thing it means is it means help. Imagine that. It also means to 
intercede, and we covered that last week, the Holy Spirit helping us through intercession. He stands in the gap for us. He's strong enough when you're not. Anybody ever not been strong enough? There we go, some honesty in the house. That's what I love. I'll raise both my hands. When you're not, why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because we need help. But when you're not strong enough, He is. When you activate that relationship with Him, you can do things you never thought you could do. You can go farther than you ever thought. So we've talked about Him being a helper. We've talked about Him being an, an intercessor. And today we're going to talk about Him being our comforter. We all need help. And guess what? Every person needs comfort. If you're not currently hurting, thank God. If you're not currently hurting, we've all been hurt. And so hurt is always right around the corner. And Jesus, he covers the bases. He knows hurt's coming. He was betrayed. He understands your hurt. He sent the Holy Spirit to live and dwell inside of us, as we just read in John 14, also as substance that God does not leave us. Where's Jesus now? He's actually in heaven, the Bible says. But since he's not physically, you know, he's coming back. So he covers his bases, and he's not a man that he should lie. So you say, Pastor Ian, Jesus is in heaven, so he did, did, did leave us. No, he's temporarily doing some other work right now. And in his stead, what did he give us? The Holy Spirit to provide for us as we wait and tarry for our Savior and our King to come back. And I know this about God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He sees your pain. And he's not the one that inflicted that pain. That's the biggest lie that the enemy will use to keep you stuck, to keep you bound. He sees your pain. He understands your pain. If you are a born-again believer in the Son of God, who is Jesus Christ, he was crucified naked on a cross for you. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, he sees and understands your pain. You feel like people don't understand you. People don't get what you're going through. Jesus does. The Holy Spirit does. And He wants to help you through comfort. To comfort you through that pain. So I want to look at that first point today. Look what it says. The Holy Spirit helps us through comfort. Somebody say comfort. I like that word today if you're following along on our on our app or that paper outline. It says, He comforts us with His presence and power, and we are never orphaned or alone. He is always with us. He comforts us through our painful moments. Do we have any Alabama fans in the house today? I hope you wasn't cussing like a sailor last night or throwing stuff at your TV. God sees your pain. Activate the helper, Amen. Let me get serious, though. We all have real pain in our lives. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been hurt. You know, sometimes the people that hurt you the worst are people in church. And we have to see and understand that God understands that pain, that my feelings and my emotions that I have are okay, but they're not supposed to dictate the course of my life. And guys, we're real bad at this. When I'm, when I'm been hurt or when I'm going through something hard or I, I, I'm hurting, man, oftentimes it comes out of us in anger. And I wonder why I'm angry all the time. And, and, I, and I'm angry because I got hurt somewhere and I'm not dealing with it the proper way. Ladies, y'all are pretty good. When you're hurting, you tell us. <laughs> Praise God on you. Us guys got to get better. But we have to see that through the Holy Spirit, God wants to comfort us with His presence and with His power. And if we can get past the hurt, 
and not try and put a band-aid over it myself and try to fix the hurt myself or even deny and lie to myself that there is no hurt. That's a big one. Deny all along that I'm not hurt or that I'm not hurting or I'm not feeling this way. Then I, I, I limit myself from receiving that real power and presence that God wants to not just give me but initiate in my life through the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as saying, God, I need you to help me, right? Everyone has either been hurt or is currently hurting. And I can think of the worst hurting days in my life when I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Man, those were some tough days. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and I was hurting. I thought everybody didn't know what I was going through, and I had a story, and you just didn't know how hard it was for me, and I was hurting. And then I think of the worst days of my life with, somebody say with, with the Holy Spirit. And I don't know how I made it, y'all. I've been through some bad days. We've been through some bad days, ain't we, babe? But with the Holy Spirit, it's a whole lot better. Because he provides that, that instant release, that instant relief, that instant help, that instant comfort. Now, I'm not saying he instantly answers a miraculous prayer. He's done that for me. But in that moment, I can stop fighting air, so to speak. And I can experience relief and peace. If you need some peace today, are you in a relationship daily with the Holy Spirit? Because if you are, you, you know that, that that's true. And if, if you're not, I hope to encourage you and invite you to begin that relationship today. The Holy Spirit is, is here to help. Oftentimes, we feel like we've been abandoned or forgotten. You are not. He's here to help you. Right? Turn your Bibles over to Psalm 23. One of my favorite psalms. Probably many of your favorite psalms also. 23 uh, verse 4. What does it say? Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are what? For what? God is with you. David sees this. He understands this, right? He says, your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. Now, rod and staff, it actually symbolizes discipline. But he even sees the discipline of the Lord as comfort. And his, his, his comfort goes beyond the discipline of the, your obedience of your faith. David understands that in, your, in his darkest, excuse me, moments, in your darkest moments, you can have hope. He says, yea, through I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds like a pretty dark spot. Maybe you're currently there. I, I pray for you. I'm sorry. God's sorry. If it hurts you, it hurts him. If you've been there and you're a believer, you understood that that was just but for a season. Because you believed, you understood that there was still hope in the darkness. Yea, throw I walk to the valley of shadow of death. I will fear no evil. I will fear no scheme that the enemy has to throw at me. I will fear not my neighbor or the world because I have the hope of the Lord. Right? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His comfort is available upon request. If you need comfort, all you got to do is ask. Look at that next point. It says, the Holy Spirit ministers the comfort of the Father to us, enabling us to comfort others. One of the, the, the jobs of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a helper, he's an intercessor, he's, he's a comforter. 
He always leads us to Jesus, and Jesus always leads us to the Father. The Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father are in complete unity. And so one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is for you to see and experience the Father's love, the Father's comfort. And I know this, there is nothing that you can substitute the comfort of a father. Now, I know a lot of us, I'm talking about earthly fathers. And mothers, y'all, we need the, a mother's love too, okay? I'm not, I'm not downgrading what you do. Your love is powerful and amazing in a different way. And, and I know some of us, maybe we have bad memories of our earthly fathers. Not all of us had a, a godly Christian father, and I, I'm sorry if you didn't have one. I, I did have one, and, but I know this. When I was in my dad's arms, I can think back of, as a little boy when I was in my dad's arms and he would comfort you and hold you, you felt like there was nothing, there was nothing bad that could happen to you, right? I hope you had a father like that. You could climb up in your dad's lap and whatever he said, it was like, my, my world's okay, my dad's got me. It's the same for our heavenly father, actually not the same, it times that by a million, because every earthly father still falls short of the glory of God. And so that's the Holy Spirit job. He wants, to, he wants to lead you into your heavenly father's lap and let his everlasting arms envelop your life. And see, the scheme of the enemy does not want you to do that because it understands the power in that. When you run to God for your healing, it actually happens. And so the enemy and the world wants you to find comfort somewhere else. So I want to ask you today, where are you finding your comfort? You're hurting. And you're finding comfort somewhere else. Is it in the fridge? Is it on a streaming platform? Is it on a social media account? Is it through an ungodly relationship? Do you just shut yourself away from the world? Shut off everybody? And you're just going to try and comfort yourself? Good luck. God wants you to trust Him, and He sent the Holy Spirit to provide that comfort for you. As I'm talking about the the presence and power of the Father's comfort and peace that our Heavenly Father provides us, I can remember the first time in my life when I experienced His comfort. And oddly enough, it happened right after I actually lost my earthly father, my dad. And I share this, and I want you to hear me today, because when I experienced that comfort, guys... I was still steeped in my sin. Ian had not yet been born again. Ian had not yet been a pastor of a church. Ian had not even yet begun to pray every day. See, I, I was still in the Navy, and my dad got sick, and I had to leave my, my ship to fly home, basically, to see my dad on life support. Two days later, he was dead. I was an alcoholic. I was... Like I said, steeped in sin, I was lost as lost can be. And when I left that hospital room that night after seeing my dad die, take his last breath, the first major death that Ian had to experience in my life, 23, 24-year-old man. And when I got home that night to my mom's house and stayed in the guest room and got in my bed, I began to cry like I had never cried. I hadn't cried that hard or that long, probably since I was 15, 16 years old. And guess what I did in that moment? I prayed to God. And guess what God did? He comforted me. And it was real. And it stayed real for maybe a day or two. And Ian still went on his merry way trying to fix the hurt and the pain myself, what did I do? I kept on with the drugs, kept on with the alcohol. Two months later, I was kicked out of the Navy. 
Two more months later, I burned through $50 of an inheritance that my dad left me. Found myself in teen challenge. And then guess what else I experienced? Again, somebody say again. Again. The comfort of the Father. The same comfort. My first or second day, right in the middle of worship in chapel one day. Praying to God. And he met me. It was like I was in a dark room. I was DTing from needing a drink. I, was, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a dollar in my bank account. didn't have anywhere to live. I had, my family had shunned me because nobody could trust me. And in that moment, when my life was literal hell, I had almost committed suicide before I got to this place in my life. God comforted me. And he showed me that everything was going to work out. I began to weep because my life was a wreck. There was no way it should work out. But the Holy Spirit in that moment, I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit then. I, I knew it was God. He ministered that peace in that dark place. And I knew that I knew that I knew that it was going to work out. I didn't know how it was going to work out. But I was, I was going to take this thing seriously. My relationship with God, no matter how long it was going to take, no matter how hard it was going to get, I was going to be in a relationship with God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now, as we just read that point, the Holy Spirit ministers the comfort of the Father to us, enabling us to what? Comfort Others, God is using me, even today, to minister comfort to you if you're in a, a hopeless situation. He wants to bring you out of that hurting place, build you up if you're faithful so that you can be a light to others also. Look at Scripture. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all, what? Comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same. Somebody say same. Same comfort God has given us. Our God experiences must be shared because they impart hope to others. If you've been comforted, by the living God, share it with somebody. The person you share it with may need to hear that that day. They may need to be reminded, you know what? I'm going through something tough, but this is just a season. And when you share that story of what God did for you, He brought you out of this pit, of this hopeless place, of this, this dark place. And, and now you're, you're in a new season, a, a season of grace and mercy and, and prosperity. And maybe you, your life is beginning to look blessed. And that person needs to see that, not so that they can, they can applaud you for what you've done. Praise God, you've been faithful. But so that you can point them, you know what? God did this for me. And, and that's the hardest part, I think, of what happens when you have been faithful for a while. See, I've been living for God for that Teen Challenge moment was in 2009. I fell on my face a little bit. That's how I got to Alabama. After I graduated Teen Challenge, I got back into my addiction. After I left about four months for, for a short period, about three or four months, it almost killed me. And that's how I got to Alabama. Did another year and a half of men's ministry in the Sunshine House. So I've done a year and a half in Teen Challenge, a year and a half in the Sunshine House, three full years of living with stinky men for Jesus. Right? So... Going, going through all that and then seeing my life the way it currently looks, I feel like there's a disconnect sometimes because people, they, not, not that I'm a finished product, I'm far from it, but I feel like oftentimes people just see this finished product of our lives. Oh, he believes in Jesus. Oh, he has a mortgage and a couple car payments and two and a half kids and he's got the perfect life. If you're a believer, you know that's far from the truth. 
And so if we just go about our merry way and live in our blessed lives and we don't tell somebody where Jesus brought us, come on, somebody, then we're not giving God the glory. I wish I had a picture I could put on the TVs of my first day in Teen Challenge or in the Sunshine House. I, I would look nothing like I look today because I was on my deathbed. But praise God, the Holy Spirit comforted me to life, to bring me to where I am today, and he's not done. Look at the next point. As I'm talking about that process of from death to life, from darkness to light, it's a process of restoration. Say it with me. Restoration. The Holy Spirit comes us through restoration. He restores our joy from what the enemy has stolen. I got a promise for somebody today. If the enemy stole it, it ain't over. You got to get that in you today. If the enemy stole it, it ain't over. The enemy tried to kill me. Now, I did a lot of dumb things. I made a lot of bad decisions. I helped them out quite a bit. But I didn't understand in my sin and being lost that there was a scheme that the enemy was using to keep me deceived. The enemy stole a lot from me. But praise God, Jesus Christ restored it all. And more. Y'all read the book of Job? The enemy, the literal devil, asked permission from God to tempt Job. Took his whole family, took his whole livelihood. And at the end of the book, it says that it restored him and more. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a good, productive member of society. I wanted to be an honest person who pays his bills on time. I wanted to have an amazing wife that would love me and not cheat on me. I wanted to have kids one day. And I wanted to have, ha- have a decent car and a decent place to live. And God restored me and more. Brought a wife that I, I don't deserve. A, a wife better than my, my dreams ever even thought. Better kids than my, my dreams ever thought. A better community of people that have my back and, and love me and cheer me on than better friends than I ever thought. So if you're in a hurting place, if you're in a desert place, if the enemy stole it, it ain't over. It ain't over. He wants to restore it to its fullness and more. Say it with me. And more. The Holy Spirit, why do you need him? He's a helper. He's an encourager. He he, he comforts you. You need the Holy Spirit so that you can have peace in the wilderness. I just shared that I spent three full years in men's living ministry homes. I needed the Holy Spirit to have peace living with 60 men. That team challenge for a year and a half. I needed his, his presence to help me and encourage me, to give me peace in the waiting place. See, I was running my race. But you see, God will restore you, okay? It's not over, but it doesn't get restored overnight. See, when you mess your life up as bad as I did, a couple DUIs, you burned through a bunch of money, you hurt a lot of people along the way, you don't just get married, have three kids, own a house, get a couple cars, become a pastor of a church overnight. So the Holy Spirit wants to provide you that, that peace in the waiting, in the wilderness. And so in the wilderness, you too can have peace. We just read it. Though through I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear not. I had to remind myself that as I was going through the journey of trying to let the Lord restore my life. This is just a season. As long as I keep doing the next right thing and what God says, he'll bless it. And guess what? He did. And he ain't done. Thank you very much. He's not done. He's not done. Look at Isaiah 51. Turn to Isaiah 51.3. It says the Lord will comfort. It says, comfort Israel. If you read the Old Testament, it's all about the nation of Israel. Holy Spirit perspective and revelation gives us in the New Testament, I've told people this, whenever you see that, that, that 
that phrase or that word Israel in the Old Testament. Go ahead and just put your name there. Because the nation of Israel is God's heartbeat. Jesus crucified and resurrected on a cross brings God's promises full circle. And every living person that has breath and can experience hope today through Jesus Christ, you're his heartbeat. You're the part. You're grafted into the nation of Israel. So put your name there. The Lord will comfort Ian, will comfort Jessica, will comfort Lisa, Michelle, Wanda. Again, and have pity on her ruins. I want to preach for a second. Her desert will blossom like Eden, her barren wilderness like a garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the ear. God wants to turn your ruins into riches. He wants to turn your ruins that the enemy blew up in your life, that he caused. In the waiting place, in the wilderness, he wants you to shout for thanksgiving and joy because you know so much, so deep down in your soul that God is going to restore that and more. He's going to restore your ruins with riches. And thanksgiving and joy have to be a byproduct of us knowing that truth. Now, I'm not saying it makes it any easier. But if you can climb up into your Father, Heavenly Father's lap, let His arms envelop you in the midst of your ruins, He will comfort you the whole way. And I, I feel far from being qualified as even sometimes I think about myself as being a pastor of a church. But I can tell you I'm qualified to tell you that in the midst of your ruins, he can turn it into riches because that's what I did. That's how I got through three years of men's living home. I had to, I had to think of how bad my ruins was. They was bad, y'all. A smoldering heap of death, sin, decay, bad decisions. And I had to keep trusting God every day. God, help me. God, help me. That's powerful when we can see somebody who's been through that. And I wonder oftentimes if there are people, they've been so blessed. They've been through some stuff. But maybe they've never been through something so hard that they don't quite understand how blessed they are. And they've almost become so lukewarm because they're kind of just on autopilot. They're on autopilot. They think, they think they've been through some stuff, and they probably have, but they're one disaster away from experiencing real ruins. And so, if you're blessed today, give them praise. Don't stay lukewarm. Don't let a bad health diagnosis shake you up and bring you back to life. Bring you back to your knees to start praying again. Or a death to shake you up, zap you back to life. Oh, Jesus, I need you again. Stay faithful in your ruins. Stay faithful in your riches. Come on, somebody. Stay faithful regardless. And don't compare your life to somebody else. I'm just using that as two different examples today. Compare your life to him. And be thankful. His Holy Spirit, as I said, ministers that peace while we wait, while we hold, while we tarry for the manifestation to happen. You have to let the Holy Spirit minister peace as you wait for the manifestation of the promise. Go to that next point. Holy Spirit comforts us by speaking truth into our pain. Mm. He shines light into our darkness, giving us hope for a better day. I know this about our pain. The starting place for healing is always truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, verse 7, that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Where's all of our CR folks? Praise God for you. What's step one? I admitted that I was powerless. Addictions and compulsive behaviors. Praise God. Our pain is no different. I have to admit that I'm powerless and I have to admit that I'm hurting. 
And as long as I deny that, I limit myself from receiving God's grace and his comfort. So that point says the Holy Spirit comforts us by speaking truth into our pain. You have to admit that it's there. Upon admittance that it's there, you need to go to God to ask for help. And God may ask you to go to somebody that you know for help. God wants to help you, but guess how he often helps us even farther? Through others. And so if you're praying to God every day through this pain, you're praying for his comfort through this pain, you're, you're up and down, you're not feeling this release, has God asked you to go to somebody about it? And if he did, have you? Because the Bible says, confess your sins to, so that you may be healed. Why would it say that if relationship with others don't matter? I hear people, oh, I don't need church. I, I pray every day. All I need is God. Good on you. You don't understand the importance of God. But yeah, in my mind, I'm always like, you need more than him. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not the almighty. He's not the, I'm not undervaluing who God is. But God, through his word, specifically says you need others to help you and encourage you along the way and to, for you to experience healing. So the starting place to healing is, is truth. And I know this about truth. The pain of God's truth is nothing compared to the pain that I inflict in my sin. That was supposed to be good. I hope I didn't muddy that up. Let me try to go deeper with this. The pain of God's truth compared to the pain that you inflict in your sin is nothing that you'll experience. What do I mean by that? When God says no, that little pain that you experience in your flesh, so you still want to do this thing or you think you got it figured out and you're gonna, you're gonna, you've already done made your mind up, you're going this way. And the Holy Spirit said no, wait. Or no, not yet. The pain you experience in that moment in obedience to say, hey, I'm going to trust you, God. I can wait for another month. I can wait for another year. I can wait for another two years. Will be far less than if, somebody say if, you decide to do it your own way and the pain that's going to be on the other side of that decision. That pain, you need to remind yourself that today. That pain of that choice in that sin is going to far outweigh the pain that I'm going to currently experience because God's not even saying no. He's just saying not yet. So we have to be faithful in understanding that our relationship is a daily thing and that the Holy Spirit wants to help us and comfort us in that waiting place. And, and the, the, the pinnacle of all things is, is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit comforts us by speaking truth into our pain. And when I can respond in faith appropriately, right, then, then he shines light. And then he shines hope in our darkness for a better day. God's hope, his light, it penetrates darkness. It releases hope. Look at John 8, 12. It says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that what? Leads to life. If you don't know where to go or which way to look up, down, left, right, which way to do, if you feel immobilized by your bad thinking or bad decisions or you really want to please God and you still feel immobilized, confer and ask the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, he is the way, the truth, and life, it says, for some direction. He knows the way. But you got to get still. You got to be still and know that he's God. You got to get quiet in prayer. And you got to ask. Prayer's two-way. You, you pray and ask, and then you sit and get still and listen to what he says. Get still and listen to what he says. His path is the path to righteousness. His path is the path of light. When we have the Holy Spirit, we possess the light of the world. 
So I want to ask you, do you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you? If so, you possess the light of the world. If not, you need help. And he'll still help you. All you have to do is ask. Think about navigating, living in a dark world with no light. You ever been in a place, not your own home, think about maybe staying in a hotel room or staying at someone's house. Maybe you got to get up in the middle of the night and use the bathroom or get up and go somewhere and you don't know that place and you're stumbling and bumbling, right? Stub your toe. I hate when that happens. Step on a Lego. Yikes. Xander's Legos are accumulating. When we live our lives outside of the will of God, live our lives without speaking to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis, that's kind of how we live. We stumble and bumble. You're bumping into things that you didn't have to bump into if you'd activated the flashlight of life. One of the things I used to love to do, Jessica, Pastor Jessica kind of shut this down once we started dating. She did not like me doing this. But if you know me, I'm obsessed with Batman, right? And so I used to go caving or spelunking. Say it with me. Spelunking. I mean, you can't be a Batman if you've never been in a cave, right? We got some cool caves in the area. I used to go to the one Hughes cave. And if you, who's ever been in a cave like that? You know how dark it is. What do you do when you go caving? You bring not just one flashlight. You bring about four or five with extra batteries. Because what happens if you're in that cave and your light goes out? You're dead. You are dead. It don't matter if you're 15, 20 feet in there. You turn that light out inside one of those caves, you cannot even see or know the direction of where you're going. If you're here today and you're living life like that, you're living in a cave with no compass. You're living in a dark, depressing cave of death. And there's no hope for you to get out of there on your own. The only hope for you to navigate your way outside of that cave of death is activating the Holy Spirit. Not only will He comfort you, He'll lead you out of there. Because you know when you got a flashlight? You can see where you're going. Not just where you're going, where God wants you to go. Look at Genesis 37, 34 through 35. Wrapping up. Let me get some context. Who's familiar with Genesis at all? Genesis 37. This is the story of Joseph, right? Being betrayed by his brother. Sold into slavery. Talk about a man that lived in the wilderness for a long time. Betrayed by his family. The family he was serving. Lied about. Thrown into prison. Tried to help the king by deciphering a dream for him. Told the guy. Got forgot about. Eventually entered into the promise of God's fullness, but he had to endure a lot of waiting, a lot of faith-building type things. But that's not really what I want us to get from this. This is before all this happens, right? Before his brother, or excuse me, right after his brothers betray him. So look at verse 34. We're going to talk about Jacob, Joseph's father, and how much it grieved him. Look what it says. Then Jacob tore his clothes and dressed himself in burlap and mourned deeply for his son for a long time. He loved Joseph, I hate to say more than his brothers, but he, he had a deep love for Joseph. He was special. It says, his family all tried to comfort him. There's that word comfort. And he what? Refused to be comforted. I will go to my grave mourning for my son. He, will, he would say and then he would weep. If you read the rest of Genesis, you'll see that he, he lived that way until Joseph invited his family back into Egypt as him as, as king. He, he lived depressed and he, Jacob refused the comfort of others that God had provided to get him to a place of seeing his son one day. And for us today, that, that's kind of a metaphor. It's still truth of Scripture. But I wonder how many are here today. They're, they want the fullness of God, and God's trying to give it to you. But you can't receive it because you're refusing to allow the things he's put in your life to help comfort you. You know, you can't receive a gift if you refuse a gift. If I 
packaged you a big shiny gift today in a package and wrapped it up all nice, put your name on it from Pastor Ian and Jessica today, and I gave it to you after church and said, this is yours. I guarantee not one of you is not, not going to open it, right? As soon as you might open it right in front of us, if we said you could, or you might open it right when you get in your car, right when you get home, but I guarantee you ain't none of you not going to open it. You're just going to let it sit in your closet. I wonder what Pastor Ian and Jessica got me. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a lot like that. Every day you got an option. You got a choice. Am I going to open the gift that God gave me? Or am I going to refuse to allow it to speak in my life, refuse to allow it to comfort me? Because when we do that, we live just like Jacob. It says that he refused to be comforted. What is God currently wanting to do in you right now? All of us are in different places and seasons. You have a specific word. You probably know what it is. Even though you act like you may not know what it is. Maybe because you just don't like the answer. Most of you probably know the last thing God said. So if you know what it is, are you letting him perfect that word? Has he given you the gift of the word? And if he has, have you opened it? Are you using it, the, the word? And on a more superficial level, I guess, if, if that word is comfort today, since we've been on comfort, are you hurting and are you allowing God to comfort you? Or are you finding that comfort in other places, people and things? Because if you're doing that, you're refusing, just as Jacob did, to allow God to comfort you. Who wants the best God has for you? Then that's, that's not just open that gift. That gift, that's open it. That's use it. That's be a part of it. And that's ask the Holy Spirit to minister truth to us. Amen. That's what I want to do as we close today. Can we do that? I want to just get still in His presence as we close. And if you're here today... I want you just to imagine yourself at the feet of God, at the, the holy altar. I would invite you to, to give Him praise and thanks. And I would invite you to go even farther because you can for what Jesus has done for us. Don't just stay at the altar. I want you to climb up into His lap, His massive lap today. And begin to ask God, wrap your arms around my life. And begin to get honest with him. Say, God, how am I really doing? Am I faking this thing? Am I hurt? Am I offended? Am I lost? God, am I doing good? Am I... Have I done the last thing you told me to do? God, how am I doing? I promise you, if you're, you think you're doing bad or you think you're doing good, his answer will still always be the same. He'll say, I love you. I forgive you. I want to help you. I sent my son to die for you. Begin to begin to give him that love back. It's as simple as saying, thank you. I love you. Now help me, God. Get up and go. Because the reality is, we can't stay there until he brings us home one day. So as we sit in his arms today, what is it that he's, he's asking you to do? It may seem tough, but it's not. It's not as tough as you think it is. And just begin to ask him, God, give me your presence and your power to do what you're calling me to do.
pray over us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all these folks. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your, the reality of your love. I thank you for each person here today. I pray that you would comfort them, give them hope. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you're in relationship with God on a daily basis, He's your Lord and Savior. And you're in relationship with Him. I want you to pray for the lost right now, please. Pray for our lost world. Maybe you know somebody that's lost. What I want to do is before I close, if, if you're here today in our sanctuary, if you're watching us online today, you may say, Pastor Ian, I'm the lost person. I don't talk to God every day. I don't know a whole lot about His Word. and Don't let that stop you. All the answers will come in time. But if your desire, if God's dealing with your heart today, and you know He's dealing with your heart, He wants you to to initiate that relationship today. You want to be born again today. I got good news for you. I want you to do something right now. Take captive of that word. Take captive of this moment if he's dealing with you because he loves you. So if you want to pray to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, I want you to do one or two things. Either you can stand up right now, just right now. No one's looking at you. We're praying right now for you. Stand up, have faith to stand, or just raise your hand up real high. One of the two. Say, I want to pray to accept Jesus. Just, you're not raising that hand for me, you're raising it for him. Just say, hey, I hear you, God. I hear what you're saying to me. It's a personal relationship. Personal word. If you're watching us online, put something in the chat to let us know you're praying that so we can see you Maybe in a few moments. And what I want to do as we close is I want to lead us in a prayer. And let's all repeat it loud today as we thank God for who he is and what he's done for us. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We believe in your Son. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of the world, Savior of my life. I confess that he is my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and past and send your Holy Spirit to redeem my future. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Sorry I went a little long today. Amen. I hope it was worth it for you. Anybody glad you came to church today? Yep. Amen. We're glad you came too, okay? We love you very much. Y'all are officially dismissed.